All right, Bruiser Nation. Does everybody know what time it is? It's Bruise Cruise time! That's right, and Bruiser Nation Productions proudly brings to you Jason Bruiser McCarthy! And this week on the Bruise Cruise Podcast, we will be covering Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. So you can talk about the new era, but it doesn't matter to me because I know what you really want. And I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you what you crave right now. Tonight, I give you the gift of Jericho. Drink it in, man. And the reason why you're embarrassed is because of the steady stream of uninteresting, untalented, mediocre sports entertainers who you're forced to cheer for and care for. And to be honest, Bruiser Nation, before we get to the action of Kota Ibushi versus Jay White from Wrestle Kingdom 14, I have some very important words to share from a gentleman that I work with at Giant Eagle, uh, Vincent Egwakon. I probably brutalized that last name. I have become friends with Vincent um, because of professional wrestling. You know, you don't always know who to talk to or what have you when you get to work. And the second we both realized that we love this crazy art form of professional wrestling, we really got close. And with everything that's going on right now, He is a young black man, very intelligent, very driven, and has worked very hard. And these words are from the heart. So go ahead, bear with me, Bruiser Nation. We will get to the action of Jay White for versus of Jay White versus Kota Ibushi in just a second. But this is little more important. By Vincent Egwakan, black in Worthington. I don't normally share a lot of things that are really personal. I've gone out of my way to really keep those things close to me because I never wanted to seem vulnerable. The last couple of years, I've experienced some very big, life-changing experiences that have made me do a lot of self-reflection. I hope that by reading this, people can take away something positive. Growing up in Worthington, Ohio, My whole life, I've been very fortunate to live in a safe community with great people. I've always been seen as the shy, quiet, and passive kid who always has a smile on his face. The one thing that has always bothered me was the notion that I was whitest black guy in Worthington. This is a stigma that I have put on me my entire life because I didn't fit the stereotypical image of what a black person is perceived to be. I played sports. I got good grades. I was never a confrontational person. I dressed in athletic clothing 90% of the time, and a majority of my friends were white. While this was said to me as a joke by many, I always saw it as a backhanded compliment. 
It was a micro insult that I let slide because I never wanted to take it personally. The idea that being successful and doing the right things automatically made me white was something that I strongly disagreed with. In my head, I thought, why can't a black person achieve good things and be a great person without there being a narrative to it? To me, whether people intended to or not, they matched the content of my character to a specific race. I always thought that was wrong, but never wanted to speak out on it. I felt that my voice didn't matter to people. With that being said, the current status of our country has made me bring these personal issues to light and give me confidence in doing so. The police brutality, racism, and injustice that has been against the people of my color has been a predominant issue that our country has failed to acknowledge and more so than not, ignore. I think about the lives of people like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and the victims of the Charleston church shooting. The one thing they all had in common was they had their lives taken away from them unceremoniously simply because of the color of their skin. Did I know any of these people personally? No, I didn't. But that never mattered to me because I knew that what happened to those people were wrong and I wouldn't wish that on anyone. For so long, we've seen this and tried to brush it off to the side because the powers that be want to claim that we've come a long way as a country and we're still an amazing country. This was an excuse that I always resented because despite how far we've come as a country, in terms of how blacks are treated, we still didn't truly want to address racism and police brutality as an issue. To me, seeing things like this happen to blacks all over the country made me sick because I realized that this could easily happen to me and my environment is what has protected me from that. That's why when I've wanted to speak out in the past about these things being wrong, and wanting to bring change to the issue, I feared people would bring me down and say, you live in Worthington, you'll be fine. Too many times I was truly seen as a white person to the eyes of my peers. But I knew at the end of the day, if I got pulled over by a police officer, they'd see me for what I truly am. And that's a black man. I've been grateful to never experience police <clears throat> police brutality, but I, but it didn't change the fact that I truly feared for my life every time I was involved with a police officer in any way because of the color of my skin. Being in Worthington all my life, I've understood that I'm in a position where I'm safe for the most part, while keeping in the back of my head that all it takes is one bad cop and my life could be taken because I'm black. After the recent events in this country, I finally decided that it is time for me to use my platform and speak up on this issue. I believe it's time that we hold the people in power accountable to make real change to the killings of unarmed black people. 
The reason this movement matters to me is because of the empathy, love, and compassion I have for everyone around me. Racism is a true disease in our country, and as someone who is fortunate enough to live in a safe community and be well-educated, it's my duty to do the right thing and stand up for what I believe in. Oppression is something that I still face every day despite my environment. The idea that it doesn't affect you personally is why we've been pleading for change for so long. At the end of the day, this is not a political issue. This is a human rights issue, an issue that I plan on bringing positive change to because this is about something way bigger than myself. It's about the people like George Floyd, who in his final minutes screamed, I can't breathe, and his voice silenced because he wasn't seen as worthy. I want to be a catalyst of change. What bringing an end to racism and police brutality symbolizes to me is the ultimate apology to those lives that were lost in an act of hate because they couldn't stand up for themselves. It's my responsibility to be the voice of the voiceless. I simply ask that people can truly put themselves in other people's shoes and realize that this, this is something worth fighting for. I've never forgotten where I came from and what my morals are. Treating others with fair and equal treatment regardless of race is what is truly in my heart. So I want that to be in all of our hearts. I never in my wildest dreams thought that someone like me would be capable of bringing positive change to the world, but I realized that I'm more than capable of doing that. That's why I ask everyone to feel that they can bring positive change too. We live in a world of what ifs. I want to make that what if of ending racism disappear because it's something that has no place in this world. My life has been very good, and I'm so grateful for that. However, people assumed because of my situation and my setting that I don't face racism in my life. I've had the racial trauma of thinking because my life has been good, I shouldn't be allowed to speak up on the poor treatment of people of my race, and that my feelings are invalid. This is no longer the case, because in 20 years from now, when we look back at all of this, I want to be able to say I helped play a role in the right type of change. For the first time in my life, I'm able to say that I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm not the whitest black guy in Worthington. That was never the case. I'm just black. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Because I'm proud of being black. I don't believe my characteristics should ever be associated with the color of my skin. I believe I have something you can't fake. I have grit. So I hope by reading this that we can all take a moment of self-reflection and truly do what is right. And that's accepting everyone. George Floyd couldn't breathe in his final moments on this earth. I want to make it my mission, as long as I can breathe, to end that type of treatment. So as the black guy that grew up in Worthington, Ohio, I want to do what's right. 
the only question I have left for everyone is do you Bruiser Nation those are powerful words by like I said before I started this a very bright smart driven young man that I am proud to call my friend these are the words we need to hear right now it's terrible that we're having these conversations in 2020 but obviously we should have had these conversations in 1980 1970 1990 2000 no we were all stuck in our own little bubbles well now we're not we know what's going on so please take a minute start this episode over and listen to Vincent's words again And I mean, listen to the things that, you know, we don't hear about the the well-off black people enough. Because how many African-Americans feel this way because they live in a good community? This is important. I need you guys, if you haven't shared any episodes of the Bruce Cruise podcast, it's fine. But share this one when you get done listening. This is important. We all have to make a stand. And if you can't tell, I'm super, I'm white, guys. Vincent is a great, great kid. And he makes very valid points. And the reason I wanted to read this on the Bruce Cruz podcast is I can have empathy for what's going on. I can see that it's wrong. And it can piss me the hell off because some of the greatest people I know are black people black Americans that shouldn't have to feel this way but let's face it I'm white I don't know what it's like I don't like I said I can be empathetic and I can listen and I can be there for my friends but I don't know what that's like and I will never know what that's like and he shouldn't have had to know what that's like either America get it together get the divisive president that I will not mention by name on this podcast out of office. I don't care where your political loyalties lie. This man has spent three years dividing our country. Take a stand because I know I have. And in just a few short moments, Bruiser Nation, we will begin the Bruise Cruise podcast, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. You people have been led to believe that mediocrity is excellence. Uh Uh-uh. Jericho is excellence. You have a man who can make you jump up off your chairs, raise your filthy fat little hands in the air. And scream, go, Jericho, go! Go, Jericho, go! Go, Jericho, go! All right, Bruiser Nation, are you ready for Kota Ibushi versus Jay White from Wrestle Kingdom 14? And so this matchup came to be because both of them, Switchblade and Jay White, and... 
Kota Ibushi both lost their respective matchups leading into this. This is to get everything back on track for them. I've never really ever seen Jay White, so this should be pretty interesting. A big fan of Kota Ibushi. No belt. He's still the best switchblade Jay White. Super confident walking down this long entrance ramp of Wrestle Kingdom. This is night one. There were two nights of this Wrestle Kingdom event. Man, that's a bucket list. Visit a Japanese professional wrestling show. And I mean, by Japanese, I mean like legit go to Japan and visit and see a wrestling show. And then the Switchblade, Jay White is accompanied to the ring by Guido. I'm pretty sure that's how you say that, but I'm not going to make any promises because I'm not really sure. Casting, right? You know? Then you can brutalize his people's last names, and as long as you apologize, it's totally fine. And here comes the one, the only, Kota Abushi. The Golden Star, Kota Abushi, making his way to the ring. There are signs everywhere for this young man. And I'll be honest, I'll never forget the first time I saw him in that cruiserweight classic that they had on the network a few years ago. I was an instant fan of his. This guy is absolutely amazing in the ring. This matchup's about 30 minutes long, so strap yourself in, raise that anchor, because this excursion's probably going to get pretty legit and a little long, but that's okay. You got lunch? You might need to take a lunch break and listen to this edition of the Bruce Cruise Podcast, because it's extended. We had the statement from my friend Vincent at the beginning. That thing was 10 minutes. This will be about 30. So we're looking at a good 45 minutes of content here for Bruiser Nation. I hope you enjoy it. Kota Ibushi is still making his way to the ring. Big show, long entrances. It's just kind of the deal. They just said Okada was the greatest heavyweight champion in New Japan pro wrestling history. That's quite the statement. Ah, he's out here dropping F-bombs. Jeez, Jay White. Too sweet. I like how they did that. It was like from down below. The great betrayer, Guido. I did say his name right. Look at me go. Both men in their perspective corners. The bell has rung in here. We go.
They have yet to approach each other. Taking their time, White rolls out of the ring to a chorus of boos from the crowd. Perfect heel work. It's in no rush to start this matchup. Oh, didn't work. The distraction did not work. Abushi with strong forearms. Iris went reversal by White. Oh, vicious kick to the chest by Kota Abushi. Oh, he ducks a right hand by White. Oh, spinning midsection kick. Oh, and then another big kick and a moon standing moonsault. One, two. He already got a two count. This match has just started. Abushi is not wasting any time at all. And apparently they just wrestled for an hour last night. Back elbow to Abushi for Jay White to try to get control, but not enough. Abushi hits him with another forearm. Oh, Jay White very intelligently puts his leg on the outside of the ropes to catch himself and stop the momentum. Three big forearms to Abushi's face. He charges at White, dumped over the top. Hangman's drop on the neck and a oh, double forearm forcing Abushi face first into the barricade. Dear Lord. He might have injured his throat on that fall. He, like, I don't even see how he, like, made it that far. And he, and Abushi is on the ground in between the barricade and the outside stage that's around the ring. He's just checking his mouth, make sure he's not bleeding. There at seven. It's a 20 count in Japan. Jay White to the outside, grabs Abushi, throws him, oh, again, into the barricade, chest first. Jay White found his spot, and he's taking it right now. A big chest smash onto the apron. Abushi's laying there with his head facing the outside. Abushi just picks him up and slams him down on the apron to the outside and Abushi is again laying down near motionless on the floor. They've made it to a seven count. Rolls Abushi back in. White rolls in. Cover one. Just a one count. And I was just choking Kota Abushi. Released at three. He released it at the referee's three out of five count. St- Ooh, stiff neck breaker to Kota Abushi using things that he knows about him. Kota Ibushi has had neck problems. So psychologically, that's a perfect maneuver to keep the punishment on him and remain in control of the match and just 
lazily kicks him in the face, just mocking him, Jay White does to Kota Ibushi. Ibushi's sitting up. Now he's trapped in a headlock. Jay White has not stopped the pressure. Bridges with the headlock, making it look even more vicious. He has Ibushi on the ground. It's a good, clean hold. The referee's not calling for a five count. He's got his elbow under the chin. He's checking the arm again. Good job, referee. I love it when they're involved the right way. Abushi getting to both knees, now on two feet. Elbow to the midsection of Jay White, and a stiff elbow to the neck to stop the recovery of Abushi. It's chop from Jay White. Irish whip to Kota Abushi. Abushi counters. Jay White grabs the rope and boots. Kota Ibushi into the face. A huge Frankensteiner out of nowhere by Kota Ibushi. That was a desperation Frankensteiner if I've ever seen one. He is back on the mat, buying himself just a little bit of time. Jay White's rolled himself back out to the floor. Ibushi's gonna fly. Big slingshot plancha to the outside onto Jay White. Nice replay. He got his legs up so high in the air. They're at six. We're at seven, eight, nine, ten. They've made it to 11. That's the highest count they've gotten so far in this matchup. Abushi rolls Jay White back into the ring. Climbs up on the apron in the corner. What's he going for? Hero springboard something. Springboard dropkick to the chest of Jay White. Oh, he charged for a running elbow. White moves. Abushi jumps over, rolls. Power slam by Kota Abushi. Roll and moon salt from the second rope all the way to the middle of the ring. That was quite the distance on a second rope moon salt, for God's sakes. Only enough for two count. Once again, both men laying on the mat. They're already tired and they got like 20 minutes left to go here. Uh oh. Abushi's trying to set up for the Snapdragon Suplex. Jay White is fighting the hold off. He can't get the full Nelson on Jay White. Three elbows trying to get out of this. It has caused Abushi to release the full Nelson. He's got a half Nelson. White once again counters, tries to German Suplex, takes an elbow to the face for his trouble. Now he's grabbing Abushi by the hair. Ooh, vicious DDT by Jay White. Just spiking the head of Kota Ibushi right in the middle of the ring. Once again, both competitors slowly to their feet after the matches from last night. Running European uppercut by Jay White into the corner. Death Valley driver by Jay White. Cover one, 
two and not enough to keep Abushi down. He had both legs in the center of the ring, full pressure on his chest, and it was not enough for Kota Abushi to lose. He's still got something left. Jay White's, he's not done. He is not done. like he's setting up for a Uranagi. Kota Ibushi fights off and grabs, White just grabs his hair and slams him down to the mat. Trying for, now he's trying for a vertical suplex and Ibushi is fighting it. He's got one knee down trying to keep all his weight. Jay White's trying to use whatever strength he has to lift him in the air. It's He just can't do it. Nice European uppercut. Hits a boot with another one and a third European uppercut. Now he can hit it. Now he can get his suplex. Oh, no, he can't. Abushi countered. He's got him set up. He's going to hit it. Is he going to hit that reverse tombstone package pile driver of his? White's fighting it. White's fighting it. Oh, he got him. That was close. I thought White was going to roll through it. Good, good segment right there. And look, very well done. Way to protect him because that could have been deadly, but he really did kind of put him down on his shoulders instead of giving him the full pile driver. We have both men down on the mat again. Abushi is slowly getting up first to all fours. Now he's on his feet. Jay White is still down, just grabbing the ankle of Kota Ibushi to try to stop the onslaught. Two big time, three big time stomps to the spinal column of the switchblade Jay White. Looks like he's trying to pick White up again for another package tombstone. Jay White is not having it. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten shots to the back with the forearm. I think he's up to 20 by now. I lost count. Oh, and Abushi just took them all. A vicious elbow to the face. And it was the side elbow, too. It wasn't the point. It was the elbow and the forearm. And he just took White to the ground. And now he's telling White, bring it, bring it. And White is banging off, pushes Abushi to get some space, pushes him again. Oh, no. Oh, wow. 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 Abushi just took a forearm to the face, no sold it, and then blasted White with another one. And stood there stoically, like like he's the Undertaker or something crazy. This is a side of Ibushi I don't think I've seen. Not that I've seen a lot of his matches, but wow. Again, they keep doing this this segment here where Ibushi is no selling, and he's just taking Jay White out with one shot. It's 
calling for it again, telling White to do it again. Oh, man. I wish I knew what Abushi was saying right now, but I don't know Japanese, but he is really talking smack. It's like, come on, come on, it's not enough, come on. Oh, two, jeez. <laughs> Obushi's just standing there looking at him. Sends him to the ground with one elbow and just stands there. Picks him up. He looks like he's... Is he gonna tell him to hit him again? A right hand slap from Jay White. No. Oh, now White's fighting. There we go. He's causing some... Oh, that clothesline was ridiculous. Jay White hit him three times in the face and just blasted him with this clothesline. <laughs> Turning him upside down and inside out with that clothesline. Oh, he's picking him up on the shoulders. Is he going for another package pile driver? Nope. Jay White counters. He throws the referee at Kota Ibushi. Oh, a flatliner. Good distraction by Jay White. This could be everything that he needed right here to really take control. Oh, big deadlift German suplex. The, the, the strength that takes to do something like that. Because he's got to pick Kota Ibushi up for that German suplex from flat from the mat. <laughs> Needless to say, there's no jump assistance from the other guy when you're doing that German suplex. <sighs> He's still staggered on his feet, Jay White is. He's using the ropes to support himself. Can he recover completely and really take it to Kota Abushi now that he is in control He's staying on him. Here we go. Now he... Ooh, nice. Oh, a three amigos style brain buster here. He's going for number two. Oh, switched it to the Kiwi Crusher, which is a turning Northern Light suplex kind of a thing. One, two. Ebushi kicks out of the Kiwi Crusher. Is Jay White Australian? Is that why he calls it that? I'm going to have to do my research, Bruiser Nation, because I'm not sure. It's the one good thing about New Japan. I don't know a lot about these guys, so I always learn something new about professional wrestling when I watch these shows. He's got him up in a sleeper. Is he going for his patented sleeper suplex that the commentators just told me about? Nope. Counter. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. That snap side suplex, dang. Quick and vicious, putting Abushi right on the back of his head. I think they call him Switchblade because apparently he's great at countering, so it kind of fits, probably. It's probably not really why they call him Switchblade, but that's going to be my guess for now. He has lifted Abushi onto the top rope in the corner. Now what's he going for? 
Is he going for a superplex? A super brain buster? What's he doing? Precarious situation here. Both men standing on the top rope. Abushi fights. Two shots to the midsection. Three. Three shots to the midsection by Abushi. Ogito's up on the apron, distracts Kota Abushi, who was regaining control, and now a rake to the eyes, four elbows to Abushi, and Jay White is back in control and dumps Abushi off the top rope to the apron. Now what's he doing? Jay White, what are you doing? Well, that's a little better. I thought he was going to be dangerous. Abushi fights off again, delivers a chop, White is on the second rope. Abushi's on the other side of the apron on the apron. Oh, 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 he went for a springboard flank. It's Frankensteiner. And White just pushed his legs out. And his Abushi's midsection just comes right down on that top rope. Three hard elbows by Switchblade Jay White. He has him prone across the turnbuckle. What's he doing? They've been fighting up here for like two minutes. Oh my God. What are they doing? Oh my God. Oh! Top rope, Uranagi, rock bottom, whatever you want to call it, two. And it's not enough to keep Abushi down for three. Unbelievable. He's got him set up. Sleeper suplex. Oh, oh my God. He landed right on his head with that sleeper suplex. Dear Lord. Just roll. It's... Quickly picks up Abushi and dear lord, Abushi was having none of it because he just hit him with that V trigger knee <laughs> that Abushi and Kenny Omega just love so much. Oh, my mistake, Bruiser Nation. Earlier in the podcast, I said this was the first night. This was the second night. They lost their prospective matches on the first night. My mistake. Quick correction. Thank you, Bruiser Nation. Here we go. Abushi's in the corner. Quick, quick cover. That was a German. Oh, a bridge with the German. One, two. His shoulders weren't down. His shoulders were not down. Like, at all. He, He kicked out, but... Ref was a little bit out of position there. His Jay White was more on the back of his head than his shoulders there for a second. Another running knee to the face. One, two, not enough. Jay White barely kicked out of that. He went for the Kamigori, missed. Oh, a stiff roundhouse to the head of Jay White. 
Oh no. Oh no. Jay White countered, pulled Abushi right into the referee. And here comes Guido, not wasting a second. He's got a chair. He's standing in the middle of the ring. So Bushi going to turn around, pulling himself to the ri- Oh, Guido got him right in the back and he just no sold it. No, what a way to no and no soul to kick to the stomach. And again, Guido's doing all he can and there's no sell. And he just took Guido out with with one one shot to the heart. The look on Abushi's face. Wow, I thought that first V-trigger was vicious. Last ride, here we go. Got him. Oh, there's no referee to count the three. Bad break for Kota Abushi. His sit out last ride powerbomb is so effective. That would have been it. Where's the where's another referee? Get another referee out here. Now Abushi's going to the outside to check on the official. He's picking him up. It's helping the official back in the ring, Kurasami. Don't cover him. Don't cover him. Abushi, you go and you do something else. There we go. That's why I like Japanese wrestling. They do things that make sense. Countered it again. It just flattened out. That's hilarious. <laughs> he does not want to take another knee to the face. Oh, how a roundhouse to the back of the head. Oh, and again, he kicked the arm that time. Oh, ho, ho. Oh, ho, ho. cover one. And Guido pulls him out of the ring. They took another vicious knee to the face. And Guido pulls the referee out after he counts to two. And referee's on the other side of the barricade. What did Guido do to him? Oh, Guido's got some brass knucks. Oh, Abushi blocked it. He's going to break the wrist of Guido. Here comes Jay White. Oh, he just threw the chair at his face. And now he takes the power of the punch from Guido. There's no way. This is Jay White's matchup now. It is over. He's slowly, slowly crawling to try to make the cover on Kota Abushi. If Guido can get the ref in the ring, that's it. <laughs> He's got the ref in the ring. 
the switchblade Jay White is he didn't go for the cover right away he's trying to get Abushi to his feet it's got control of Abushi both arms crossed around Abushi's necks Oh, what a brain buster that was. Both arms controlled. Cover. Oh, not cover. He's picking him up again. Oh, he is wobbly. He is almost done. He's going for what they call the Blade Runner, which, oh, which is a crossroads. If you're not sure. Cover. One, two, three. Jay White has defeated Kota Ibushi in one hell of a barn burner. All the good psychology. That was great, Bruiser Nation. I want to thank you once again for tuning into this edition of the Bruise Cruise Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our excursion to Japan. Next week, we will be calling a matchup from AEW Revolution. And like I like to do, I'm not going to tell you what the match is because it's more fun to surprise the Bruiser Nation. But our time has come to a close. Once again, stay good, Bruiser Nation, because I'm always good.